crunching the numbers. Thanks to Hume Tennis and Community Centre, a mini Melbourne park in Melbourne's north, which has tennis for everyone. Perfect for coaches and players if you're coming from interstate to train and compete. Close to Melbourne Airport with accommodation available. Find out more at humetennis.com.au. Hello and welcome to another episode of Crunching the Numbers. I'm Stephen Huss and with me as usual is uh, Chris Tons. And today we have a very special guest, Claire Liu, American tennis player, who uh, is currently a top 100 player on the uh, WTA Tour. Uh, Chris coaches her and they travel and work a lot together. And Claire is also, I wanted to mention this, a junior Wimbledon singles champion, which uh, I hope she remembers fondly. I'm sure she does. So, Claire, welcome to the welcome to our little podcast here. Thanks for having me. <laughs> You're welcome. First of all, well done with uh, with putting up with Mr. Chris Tons here as your coach for so long. Um, I actually saw your I saw your post on Instagram the other day, um, showing some gratitude for his support. So that was great to see. Um, you guys are a great team, and you continue to work on getting better, which is Massive respect from the outside looking in. So, uh, yeah, thanks for being on. And Chris, why don't you uh, why don't you kick us off with a question? Yeah. Okay. So, uh, put you on the hot seat, Claire. Um, I think well, you know, our podcast is about analytics. So, I feel like in terms of analytics, maybe you know a little bit more than most, just because we we go over it quite a bit. But let me ask you, how involved do you feel like you are with the analytics? Me personally it's it I'm not like too involved I feel like I get all my information filtered through you like I don't really like to be super hands-on with it just because like I feel like it can get a little complicated for me like with all the information and stuff but and I also feel like you do a really good job with like pinpointing like whatever we're working on or like you know seeing certain patterns or something um but I I mean we definitely do a good amount of it and we definitely like schedule or plan our practices around it we use it for like match reports and stuff. So it's definitely like very integral into in our process. We kind of use that as a reference point to see like kind of trends or, you know, where you're going with your game. Does anything need to be worked on? But is there anything that you can think of this year? You said, hey, can I see this after a match or can you put something together based on something? Like during the clay season, I was like struggling with my volleys. So I just had you like put together some volleys and like we just looked it over and then it was I feel like I'm a pretty visual learner, so it's pretty nice to just like see what's happening because I feel like sometimes, you know, things can get lost in translation and stuff. So being able to like see like, oh, it's like pretty obvious what the problem is. And then like it's a lot easier for me to fix it. And like, I don't know, sometimes like if I was missing my forehand too much in a match or something, maybe we'll just like take a look at that really quick. But yeah, there there have been I would say like a bunch of times this year. At least. Is it true you know your way around a um, a dartfish tagged match? In in other words, you know, do you know how to filter it and look for serves or returns or long points or volleys? Is that true that you know how to do that? I probably could do it. I've seen Chris do it many times, so I could probably do it. But I, it would be like the most basic. Like I don't. One hundred percent could find her way around a tag match 100 oh, i i i thought uh, that you had taught her that I, I don't expect her to tag the match but uh yeah i, I thought you were 
yeah, I thought you knew. I thought you knew how to look at filters and parts of your game. And I was just going to say, you know, Chris tags a lot of your matches, and and obviously that's helpful for him. But um, is it also helpful for you just to see the points that you want to see quickly in succession, rather than looking over the whole match and then, oh, that's the that's what I'm interested in. It makes the process so much easier. Like you know, like I said, if. I thought that I wasn't volleying well in a match. It's just so easy to just be like, okay, like these are the five points where you volleyed instead of like having to go through the entire match. So yeah, it's super helpful. And then the entire match is like condensed to what, like 30 minutes or something instead of an hour and a half. So let's say like, um, like I give you a match report after you're done. What what are some of the, like the key things you like to look at? I think that might be able to help juniors out there, coaches. Yeah. I mean, I mean, the biggest ones are serve and return, like on my end, like you go real into a lot of detail on my match reports like targets and stuff and i know one of one big thing that we were working on is like you know where are my unforced errors going and like where am i missing a lot of my shots it's also nice to see like the trajectory of like okay this is it compared to the season average or something like how is that how are the numbers comparing but i'd say like serve return plus one i mean you've probably talked about it a lot but yeah those are obviously like the basics of every point claire what could you talk to us about this year 2023 tell us one of the big highlights for you and then tell us uh, you know has there been a low light so perhaps a high and then a, and then a low talk us through uh one situation each definitely more low lights to choose from this year i was i was thinking about this yesterday i was i was, I was actually asked this at a dinner party yesterday but okay. um Look at you out on the social scene, huh? Yes, I try. <laughs> I only have a little bit of time to do that. <laughs> yeah. But I said playing on Philippe Chatrier this this year that was like really cool. That was like uh, I mean I played on all the grand in all the Grand Slams, but like being in that stadium, also like I was there when I was thirteen years old. Like my mom took me on a French Open tour, basically, and I like took a picture on Philippe Chatrier. Then I got to mm-hmm. play on it this year, so that was pretty cool. And then a low light—I have many. Probably just like one of the many times where I wanted to quit tennis, pick and choose. But maybe, yeah, that—I mean, the, those are never fun. Yeah. So does that stress and pressure? Is that? I mean, I think that the you know some people listening would be like, oh wow, well she's playing on tour and and she's playing all the Grand Slams, and you know they can't imagine that some of the top players would actually. Um, get down on themselves to that sort of point. But do you find that that is pretty, you know, I don't, I'm not sure if it's normal, but it's certainly not atypical that uh, players feel like that at times. Is that true or am I making that up? Um, well, at least for me, it's true. <laughs> I don't know about like all the other ones, but all the other players probably have to ask them. But I'd say like, it's definitely not not unusual for people to like be like, what am I doing? Like, why am I doing this? It's I'd say it's pretty common. There's definitely a lot of so many people I've talked to and I've even said this of like, would I encourage people to go pro? That's definitely a tough question. It's not like an easy. Yes, you should definitely go pro. It's it's definitely really hard for sure. Yeah. And I think it's important to reflect on your background a little bit. So some of the people listening wouldn't realize that you were a very good junior, even at a very young age. I think how old were you when you when you won your first pro tournament? 14, 15, 14. Right. So, I mean, and, and how old are you now, if I may ask, Claire? 
Okay, so you are still so young. How good is that? You've got a long time ahead of you if you want it. But anyway, I digress. But you've been playing tennis and pursuing it seriously and training nonstop and traveling, you know, for almost a decade now. Yeah, I I know that Chris and I have done it a little bit as well, and it's not always easy. But hopefully uh, among some of those lows and those negative feelings, you get some of those highs and certainly playing Center court at the French Open was a, is is one to save us. So you know, thanks for sharing that with us. Going back to this year, I mean, I think you've done a lot of good reflection on it. And the thing that's ironic is you had to play Iga three times this year, which that's can be unfortunate. She's been playing well, but I would say, and I don't know about you, is probably that's the most you've learned this year was by playing her. Would, would you agree with that? Yeah, definitely. In terms of like, what did you learn from that when, when you played her? Was it, okay, I need to work on this or keep improving? I mean, did that help playing someone like her three times? I always like get scared of like comparing myself to other people. But I think with Iga, it's like pretty easy just because, you know, she's the standard. Like she's the best. Like you can't really like talk your way out of that one. Like, oh yeah, like. She's good, but I just like didn't play that way. I mean, it's just like she's number one in the world. Like she she's the best. So it like kind of takes the I guess like my arrogance out of it. Like, okay, I just lost number one in the world. Like, if that's where I want to be, what am I gonna have to do? And it's like each time I played her, it's like it, I guess that that in a way that's kind of forced me to like keep improving. And I think like I've improved the most this year out of all of the years, but that was definitely like you kind of like have to improve if you play her it's like there there are no excuses there's no way to be like oh yeah but like it's fine you know maybe if I play if I do the same thing I would win like there if if I played the same way that I did the first time I played her there's no way I would ever beat her so it's like you you have to like you have no choice but to try and get better yeah I think for for me the first time you played her this year was at Indian Wells and then you said hey I really want to work on these aspects of my game and it was like even though you're still top 100 you feel like uh, it hasn't been the best season I feel like you've done so much improvement this year and you felt it too at the end of the year like everything's coming together it's I think it's because of all the hard work you put in throughout the year and maybe that sets you up down the down the road but I think even though it was a challenging year is probably the most you've learned about your game yeah but if we go back to analytics again let me ask you how often do we do video analysis? You mentioned the volleys this year. Hey, you wanted to take a look at that. Is that something we do throughout the year or more in preseason? Yeah, I mean, we do it throughout the year, but I'd say like the consistency of it varies. I mean, I think when we're on the road, like tournaments, I don't really want to be, you know, studying that much. It's kind of like I have to trust myself. But in practice, you know, it's a lot easier and it's a lot better to like kind of nitpick and really dig dive deep into stuff so yeah preseason is probably the most we've like done analytics out of the year but yeah it's I mean it's still consistent and like all of our match reports come from analytics so it's still being a part in like almost everything we do that kind of maybe ties in maybe if I could get one more question Stephen how much do you trust in analytics I mean, is, do we just need to look at a report or, or what do you think about that? I think it's like, it's a good tool, but I also think like it's only as good as whoever's interpreting it. Like it needs to be interpreted in the right way. And 
like smartly too. Cause I think, you know, there are benefits that like that analytics brings that maybe a human doesn't have, but you also just can't rely on specifically like on paper and the numbers. I mean, like on paper, I didn't have a good year, but like I also, and like on paper, it would look like that I got, that I got worse, but I think my interpretation would be that I think I got better. It seems like, you know, I have a bit of contact with Chris and it seems like you use analytics for the short term with scouting opponents, um, things that you need to do against some certain opponents and trying to shut down things that other girls do is is that correct i mean i we definitely like i um before matches i always have chris send me kind of like a scouting report or match report of like what i should be expecting or what i should be trying to do for each match and we definitely get it's like a combination right of like things we see or like okay maybe these are her tendencies but also you can like we can also get that from analytics so it's like a combination of both yeah and then there's the longer term thing where you're looking at your own game and you're trying to develop and improve like you were talking about and I must say it's fantastic to hear that that you know the year was a positive because you have improved and you're feeling you know really good about the off season and moving forward so that's Really exciting for you guys and, and the people that are following you. I believe that analytics can be can be used in the short term and the long term. And I know that Chris is putting together a bunch of stuff right now for your preseason, which is about to start, correct? Yep. Yeah. And so can you give us a little insight into maybe what you where you think you'll be delving into or drilling into in your own preseason what areas are you looking to work on um, because I know that Chris is in the background working on numbers and videos and things like that to uh, to again continue to get better but give us a little glimpse into your preseason and, and what you're sort of looking to work on and 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 set up before next year starts yeah I think probably the biggest thing would be the serve like you know the better the serve the more free points you get the, I mean it just elevates like any like anybody's game I still definitely have like a long way to go with that so that's probably like our biggest or will be our biggest um area of focus um and yeah like you said like with the long term like I think one of the tendencies we found out is like I'll miss more of my serves in the net than long or something and it's good to see like over the year has that improved or has it not like based on my season average so that's definitely like a good way of utilizing that in the long term and then also probably just like working on my rally ball I mean you know as the level gets better like the players get more solid they have more power it's just harder to win a point so we'll probably be working on like just trying to elevate like a my sustained level and try and like raise just like how solid I can be. Yeah. And with that solidness, can I push you a little bit on that? What are you looking to raise? Is it more balls made or is it something else? If you find the, the question difficult, tell me and I'll expand. Well, I feel like solid covers everything. Like it would be great if I could hit it as hard as I could and make all of them and have them like be like right on the baseline i guess that would be like the dream it covers the speed of shot is that right like part of being solid is 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 being solid at a little higher pace is that what you're right. looking for yeah, yeah i think that's probably the key right now because then you can push more of your opponents around rather than them pushing you around right yeah yeah exactly okay. give me one more claire i'll put put me on the hot seat has there been a time where i gave you too much information before a match Oh, oh please! Yeah. <laughs> I think we're all guilty of this, but uh, maybe I'm not. Let's see. That yeah, all the time. No, I'm just kidding. 
um <laughs> yeah we've definitely had times where i'm like what did you put in this match report it's like a freaking essay and then and then you'll be like okay yeah like sorry let me go back and change it but yeah i think we all get like a little excited like oh and then do this and then this and like yeah and like it's funny because you would think the more the better like the more options you have the better but then sometimes i just like it to be a little bit simpler and like straightforward <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I would agree. Less is more. So I try to reread it and make it as short as possible. I even think Stephen read one of my reports right before the U.S. Open, gave me some suggestions. So always trying to improve on that. I think that's a really good point for people who are listening is that as coaches, we are a bit biased to try and find as much information as we can and try and look as smart as we can and give everything. But I think as we uh, improve at it and, and get more experience, we understand our players' games much better and we understand some things that we need to include and some things that we need to admit. And I totally agree with you both with both of you. I think that um, a few succinct points uh, in a scouting report is so much better than uh, lots and lots of stuff that can overwhelm a player. And you gotta you got to keep it simple um, and try and find an edge where it's most important and not try to include too much information when you're, uh, when you're speaking to a player. Uh, about a scouting report and so good can i just add a couple things that that maybe i've learned when it comes to analytics and how to use it with claire is like claire said she likes it to be filtered so we have a team you're part of the team steven that i run my ideas by say hey this is what we're seeing in terms of the the data but it's always interesting we've got a great team around her you guys always come up with different reasons why you know mistakes could be happening in certain situations so it's again it's it's a tool that i use but then i bounce it off you guys and you guys help me think of maybe why the, the mistakes are coming or the good shots are coming so that's one thing i've learned and the second thing i've learned with claire you still want to reinforce that hey this is what you're really good at because you want to get better but at the same time you can't just always give them information that hey you're not very good at this you want to show them what they do well also because i don't think claire likes that too much i the way i was it, i think one of our friends steven said for every one negative, maybe you give Claire, give her two or three positives. Is that right, Claire? Mm -hmm. that, that sounds about right. <laughs> Sometimes I can go, hey, we got to get better at this and this. And then I forget what this is your game and this is what you are good at. It's really important to remember too and remind the player of what the other player who, you know, in this instance, Claire's playing against, how much she's got to worry about of the great things that Claire does. Yep. You know, the serve plus one, the early second serve return, the transitioning, the net, the drop shot. She has to worry about a lot of things. It's not just on your side of the net or our side of the net that we have to worry. There's a lot of challenges for the person up the other end. Yeah. So Claire, it sounds like your coach has some humility there. Would you agree with that? I guess. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with being confident, which Chris is, but that, that there was some humility there. So yeah, that's a good was. sign. The yeah. growth of your coach, Claire. That's awesome. <laughs> I appreciate you coming on, Claire. It's great to have a player on our podcast, a current player and a, and a, and a really successful player like you. So thank you so much for your time and, and we loved your insights. So uh, thanks for coming on. Thank you. This is yeah. my favorite podcast. Everyone should listen. <laughs>
All right, look at her. She's advertising Don't for us now. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to get her on again. Yeah. Uh, so, Chris, thanks for your time um, as usual, and and that'll do it for a uh, another another episode of Crunching the Numbers. Uh, thanks for listening. Take care. The first serve is your home of tennis at thefirstserve.com.au. Log on to find out all the details of our live radio show, other podcasts, read weekly features by our team of writers, and follow us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and subscribe to our YouTube channel.